The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Amen. Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived a sinless life, who gave his body freely on the cross and spilt his blood that our sins might be forgiven. Lord, it is you that we gather to worship today. We pray that you would be pleased to fill us with your spirit, that the praises that we sing and the words that we say would be filled with your glory. Lord, we we gather as your people to be nourished by your word and we pray that you would feed us as we have come to you the only true and living God. And Lord, we thank you that it is our privilege and our joy and delight to gather as your people. And we pray now as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Turn in your hymnal to page number 845. As we recite together the Apostles' Creed, I'm going to ask you, dear church, what is it that you believe? Because this is a statement of our faith and our confession before the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in 
Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from Jeremiah chapter 31. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Amen. Turn to hymn number 693 as we continue to worship, singing Blessed Assurance.
and the children can come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. I want to talk with you this morning about prayer. Can anybody tell me what prayer is? It's talking to God. Talking to God. That's exactly right. It's talking to God like you would talk to a friend or maybe your parents or your grandparents. It's having a conversation with God. And our catechism says that prayer is simply offering up our desires to God. Let me ask you, though, when you pray... Do you have to pray asking God for things? And do you have to be careful to repeat yourself and mention it over and over again as if God hasn't heard you? No, absolutely not. And you don't have to do things either. You don't have to do special motions with your hand. You don't have to stand up or try to do a handstand or something to get God's attention. You don't have to do things to get His attention. The Bible says that He actually wants to hear us pray. I want to tell you very briefly this morning a story about some people in the Old Testament from the book of 1 Kings, and about a prophet, a man named Elijah, who prayed to God, and prayed that God would be faithful to him and to his people. See, there were people who uh, worshipped a, a false god. It wasn't a real god, it was an idol, and his name was Baal. And Baal had over 400 prophets, and as the king had called everyone together, Elijah looked at the people and he told them, you need to decide today, is God real? If he's real, then you worship him and you pray to him. But if he's not, then serve Baal. You see here, I'm the only prophet of God before you. And here are all these 400, over 450 prophets of Baal. And so he said, in order to, to please God and to, to show the people who was really true and who was real, he said, you prophets of Baal, you take a sacrifice, you put it on the altar and pray to the God Baal. And ask him to bring fire down onto the sacrifice. And then you set aside for me a sacrifice. And I'll put it on the altar and sacrifice it to, to the living God. And so it says that from morning until the new day, these prophets of Baal, after they had set the sacrifice on the altar, they prayed and cried out loud and nothing happened. There was no fire, no thunder. There wasn't even a peak of lightning in the sky. And so Elijah Maybe, maybe feeling a, a little bit, a little bit cynical, a little bit sarcastic, said, "Well, maybe you need to wake him up. He is a god after all. He's pretty busy. Maybe you should cry out to him a little bit louder." And so the people did. From noon until the evening sacrifice, the Bible says in First Kings that the people cut themselves with knives, and until blood started to come out of their bodies, and they wailed with their voices, and they lifted up their voices, crying out loud as if Baal was hard of hearing. And nothing happened. And as it came time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah said, Okay, you've had all day. You've taken all day. And Baal, this false god, is not answering. So he repaired the altar of the living God. And he put twelve stones, representing the twelve tribes of Israel, together. And he said, Dig a moat around the altar, and I want you to pour buckets of water all over the sacrifice, all over the wood for the altar, and I want the moat to be filled with water. And he prayed out loud to God. And he said, God, you are the living God, the one true God of Israel. Would you please, for the sake of your people, answer my prayer right now and bring fire down on this sacrifice that I'm offering to you. 
And guess what happened? Do you think God did it? Yes. He did it immediately. The fire came down. The Bible says that it consumed the sacrifice, the wood, and the stones. And that it licked up every bit of the water that had been poured in the moat around the altar. And God proclaimed to them that day, I am the true and living God. And when you pray to me, I hear you. And I will glorify myself. So I want to encourage you, dear little ones, that the Lord hears you when you pray. Even when you cry out to Him in faith, Lord, would you help me today? He hears you. And He is delighted to hear your prayers. And that you and I, as God's children, the Bible says we're His children, that we are to believe and pray in faith, knowing that He does hear us, and that it is His good pleasure to answer our prayers. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you that you are the God of heaven and the one who does hear us. And I thank you for these little ones before us today, our covenant children, who you have entrusted us to raise and to teach them your ways and to open the Bible with them and to teach them your word. Lord, I pray that you would be pleased uh, that they would cry out to you in faith at a young age. And Lord, I do pray that you would comfort them today to know that when they pray, they're not praying uh, as they close their eyes, they're not praying to an empty room. They're not praying to the ceiling. They're not praying to have good hopes of things that might happen. They pray to the living God. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage all of our hearts that way today. In your name, amen. Thank you. As we continue to worship... Turn in your hymnal to page 801. We're going to recite together Psalm 43 for our responsive reading. I'll begin with the light portion and please respond out loud with the bold. Psalm 43 on page 801. The psalmist says, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Turn in your hymnal to page number 676 as we continue to worship singing day by day and with each passing moment. Let's stand together and sing.
You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege and the blessing that it is to pray to You today. We thank You and we praise You that You are our Heavenly Father, that You have set Your special covenant love on us as Your people, that You call us sons and daughters of the living God. And we lift up our heads to You now as we pray, bowing before You knowing that it is because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and His perfect sacrifice that is acceptable in Your sight, that it is on that basis alone that we pray to You today. And Lord, we rejoice and are thankful that You have received His sacrifice, that You have declared it acceptable in Your sight, and that we, in Your presence, are the righteousness of God. Lord, we are humbled by this, and we tremble to know that we may be in Your presence, that we may be there and be heard. But it is our delight and our joy to pray to You today. Lord, we thank You for the many blessings that You have poured out on Lebanon Presbyterian Church and on our families. As we reflect over your goodness over the past year, we are grateful and humbled that you have provided for us in many ways. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you have sustained us for another year to be together and to serve you and to serve one another. Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with us in this service of worship, that we would be attentive in our minds and our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to wander that we would hear Your Word and believe by faith. Lord, I pray that You would bless those in our midst who do have a significant need. Lord, whether it's emotional or spiritual or financial or physical, Lord, I pray that You would be the God of heaven to us, that You would meet our needs and that You would so move our hearts that we would pray for one another and lift up one another in prayer. What a privilege we have to be in Your presence and to pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, I do pray that you would uh, be pleased to fill our missionary workers, those we support here at Lebanon, with your Spirit, that they would serve joyfully and cheerfully before you. And Lord, I do pray today for those who will come into contact with our missionaries, that you would preach the gospel to them, that those who believe would be encouraged, and that those who do not know you would hear the gospel and cry out in faith and believe. Lord, we thank you that uh, you do this for your glory. And we pray that you would be pleased to do that in our missionaries' midst, but Lord, also in ours. That as we gather as your people to worship you today, if there is someone here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would use the word of truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to draw them to yourself, that they would cry out to you in faith, and that today would truly be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory and thanks in our service today. In your name, amen. Thank you. 
I want to invite you to open your Bibles now to, uh, excuse me, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, we'll be reading verses 5 through 8 this morning. The sermon is entitled, Pleasing God, uh, and is part 2, following up on uh, the sermon from last week. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of. Before you ask him, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Today, as we continue in our sermon series, it's entitled Kingdom Life in a Fallen World. We pick up here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Last week, we talked about pleasing God and pleasing him with our giving and how we look to him to provide for us as we give to take care of those around us. In last week's passage, Jesus began teaching on three representative ways that God's people show that they belong to Him and are walking in His ways. By giving alms. Today, by praying. And later in this passage, we'll see, by fasting. It's helpful to remember, though, as God's people, that He's not giving us a punch list. A list of things that we should go down through and make sure we're hitting each one. He's speaking to our hearts. And so as we open the Bible today and as we have already prayed that by God's Spirit He would teach us, I pray that you would keep your heart open as we read and as we reflect on this passage of Scripture. What is it that draws your heart to give or to pray or to fast? Is it in hopes that God will accept you or because you firmly believe that He already has? In our day of individuality, it may seem a bit off-putting to be asked, well, why would, why would you ask why I do anything? I have a right to do whatever comes to my mind. But that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's probing our hearts. He's asking you to ask yourself the difficult questions that He puts before us in this text. And He is encouraging His people not to fall into the trap of the hypocrite, but to pray to their Father in faith and to do it full of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, died on the cross to give you as a gift, as a down payment, the Bible says, as a testimony of His love and faithfulness to you. When the Bible says that you and I are full of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that there's a part of it that's given to us now and that will be fuller later in life or maybe when we get to heaven. The Bible says that Jesus secured for us this precious gift of our Heavenly Father, full of the Holy Spirit. So as we talk about praying today, may we do so full of faith, believing that it is by God's Spirit that He ministers to us even in our prayers. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to do so under three headings. The first is do not follow the hypocrite or the heathen. Number two, seek your Heavenly Father. And number three, 
What are, the, what are the benefits of these prayers? So number one, do not follow the hypocrite or the heathen. As we read throughout the Bible carefully, we do well to identify clearly what it is that Jesus is teaching and to carefully apply it in our lives. He's not pointing out the hypocrite or the heathen so that you and I would hate them to look at their life and say, well, I shouldn't be like that or I won't be like that. But rather, He is shining a light on our own tendency to walk in the same path as they do. So what is it then, as we look at this passage, what is it that the hypocrite and the heathen do uh, that Jesus condemns in verses 5 and 7? First it says, and if you underline in your Bible, this is significant, that they may be seen by men. It says that they love to pray in the synagogues and the street corners. And it just providentially happened that at the moment when they were to pray, they were right there in front of all the people. Or right on the street corner where everyone would see them. And Jesus isn't trying to be funny here. He's saying that it seems interesting that for those who are hypocrites, they do so pray in places where they know everyone will see them. They know that people will see how spiritual they really are. What is it that they do that Jesus condemns? In verse 7, He says that the heathen, that they may be heard by God, they use vain repetitions. They repeat themselves over and over again. Use filler words. And why do they do that? We'll see in just a moment. What does this reveal in their hearts? For the hypocrite and the heathen in verse 5 and 7. I believe the hypocrite loves appearing to others to be so spiritual and religious that they have such a great prayer life and maybe even they enjoy the compliments of other people. Well, that prayer was so wonderful. Or it seemed so spirit-filled. Or you just know the Bible so well. They seem to soak up the compliments. The hypocrite takes those in. He loves them. He feeds on them. Even though he may smile politely on the outside, he is feeding himself on them on the inside. For the heathen, why does he repeat himself before God? Why does he keep saying over and over again the same things? I believe they do that because they believe they can get God's attention through their incantations. They are groping for God as in the dark. They have no basis for trust at all. And so out of anxiety, they repeat themselves. And they say over and over again the same things. It is a heart that is betraying itself to not trust God. To show the anxiety in their heart. I don't know that I know Him. And because I don't know Him, I must repeat myself. And I'm anxious because I don't have a basis for trust. Why do they do this? Why does the hypocrite and the heathen act this way? At their core, the heathen and the hypocrite do this. First, because it's a way to hide from God. And I know this might sound strange. Well, how do you hide from God in prayer? Well, we know from the Bible you don't hide from God. But I believe the hypocrite is hiding from God in prayer by doing these things as a public show before other people because of the emptiness that's on the inside. Remember last week we talked about the hypocrite is the one in ancient theater that would wear a mask. He would pretend to be something on the outside, but something entirely different behind the mask. And I believe the hypocrite loves the public affirmation that comes with public prayers, being in the synagogue or on the street corner, because he wants to appear before other people to be a certain way. And so that for a brief moment, he can have some relief from the emptiness he knows exists on the inside. I know that it sounds strange, but they cannot afford to be deficient in the eyes of other people. They have to put on a show. They have to look good. 
And they cannot admit, I am possibly bankrupt before the living God. That's what is going on in the heart of the hypocrite. For the heathen, as he repeats himself over and over again, as they did before the gods of the pagans, the pagan people of the world, they would repeat themselves and say phrases over and over again, hoping to use buzzwords to get the gods' attention. They reveal that they don't know God as their father. They have not met Him. They have mistrust. And that mistrust leads to anxiety. And they are fearful before the living God. So number one, do not follow the hypocrite or the heathen. Number two, seek your heavenly Father. Let me ask you this morning, is prayer in your life something that is scheduled or spontaneous? I think for any of us, as we are healthy and uh, full of faith, walking before the Lord, there's probably parts of this, both of them, in our lives. Some of us, maybe for you, this is you, as you think about what are scheduled prayers for me. Maybe as you wake up in the morning, thank you, Lord, for another day, for putting life in my body. And may you order my day before my feet hit the floor that I would honor you. Maybe you pray together with your family at meals. Or maybe when you were ordering your wedding ceremony, you picked certain prayers to be prayed. Corporate worship this morning. We have already prayed multiple times. This is our habit every Sunday morning as we worship the living God to aright our hearts and to be before Him in righteousness and holiness. Maybe you pray with your children before they go to bed or with your spouse before the day is over. And maybe you pray to begin a church meeting. Elders or deacons or women in the church or a committee that you serve on. These are scheduled prayers. But what about spontaneous prayers? Things that aren't scheduled, that just happen. Maybe a close call on a morning drive. And you just have to take a moment and pray. Thank you, Lord, that you kept me safe. That you kept my children safe. Praising God for figuring out the answer to some difficult task that has been plaguing you at work. Many of us do that. Thank you, Lord, for solving this for me. Maybe a text from a dear friend with an urgent prayer request and you stop what you're doing and you cry out to the Lord, please be gracious and merciful to my friend or to their family. Or maybe you got a one call on a busy afternoon and you said, Lord, I've got to stop. In the midst of my busyness, I need to pray. Whatever it is, cry out to the Lord. Spontaneous prayers. Or maybe you call out to God in the middle of a sleepless night or another of multiple sleepless nights. Lord, would you please hear me when I cry out to you and pray. Hear your servant. I pray to you, believing in faith. Maybe you pray scheduled and spontaneous. I believe it's healthy for all of us as Christians to have both of these elements in our lives. Spontaneous and scheduled prayers. That we would focus our hearts. That we would come before the true and living God and cry out to Him in faith. Our confession says in our shorter catechism that prayer is simply offering up our desires to God and praying according to His will. As God's people, it is a discipline that we should be doing. And we should be delighting to do it before our Heavenly Father. So I said that number two is seek your Heavenly Father. And Jesus says we're to do it in particular ways in this passage. First, He says that we're to do it in secret. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So as we go to the secret place and pray, we're to do so by God's Spirit, energized and informed by His Spirit. As we pray, sometimes we pray God's Word back to Him. Things that are true about Him and true about life in this world. 
But as we pray, Jesus said, don't do it in the public places. Do it in secret. Your heavenly Father is in secret and He will hear and reward you. Jesus here is not condemning public prayers. He's not saying the only prayer that's pleasing to God is in secret. The Bible is full of examples of very appropriate public prayers that are read and to be read. Jesus is saying that our prayer life is what it is before God alone. No pretense and nothing that's done for a show. Jesus says that you and I, as God's people, on a daily basis, a daily basis, should be getting alone with God and do what you can to find a quiet place where you can put out all the noises and any chance of giving a show for other people. And this is the example in Jesus' life as well. And so He asks us some questions that we can use to measure our own life and our own prayers by. Do you love this secret place of prayer? Are your private prayers as fervent as your public ones? Are my public prayers the overflow of my private prayers? And if not, if you say, well, I'm not really sure, then maybe you're failing the test that Jesus gave. That maybe you desire those things that are more prominent and public and seen by others than truly what your prayer life is before the Lord when you're on your own with the door closed in your home. The Bible says that we should be seeking our Heavenly Father in secret, but also full of faith. Did you notice that Jesus said, your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things before you even ask? He said that in verse 8. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Therefore, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, Does He do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? There's a question here that I believe each of us have to wrestle with lest we go to our prayer life in rote recitation. As we prayed the Lord's Prayer this morning as a church family, we're to pray that full of faith every time we pray it, asking that the Lord would fill us not with words so that we don't mess up and the person beside us hear us recite it wrong, but fill us with faith that we would believe That it is our Heavenly Father who we pray to. Fill us with faith. Paul is making an argument in Galatians. That if it wasn't by the works of the law that God gave the Spirit to us. If it wasn't based on something that we did. If it was entirely on grace that He gave us His Spirit. Then you and I must depend and get to our hearts to that grace every day. And I'm not saying that we do it by our own energy. But you have to get past sometimes the empty recitations of your own mind and your heart, the routine, and get to the place where you are desperate before the Lord and you cry out to Him and say, Lord, please give me a measure of Your Spirit. Give me Your grace today and Your mercy. I am desperate for it even if I deny it in my own heart. I need You. I need You. The hymn that we sing, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet Hour of Prayer. Lord, if I could have a few moments of uninterrupted prayer in my own head let alone an hour, I would be filled with Your Spirit and grace to live for You powerfully today. We receive the Holy Spirit and His ongoing abiding help in our lives, not through coercing God by doing the works of the law, but by faith. And so our prayers, dear people of God, should be filled with faith, believing that He hears us, and believing that because He gave us the Spirit, He intends to Empty the riches of heaven that we might walk in faith before Him. Do you believe that when you pray? 
Do you believe that He delights to pour out His riches and His Spirit upon you? As you do not, look to Jesus. Remember His sacrifice. Remember His great love for you. That He came willingly to die on the cross for you. To spare your soul an eternity in hell. That He might make you a child of the living God. And that you would have a name given to you. A son or a daughter of the living God. It should bring delight and joy and overflow of praise in our hearts. Because Jesus did that for us. Lastly, what are the benefits of these prayers? Jesus took the time before He gave the disciples prayer. Just after this section in Matthew. He took the time to say these things. I believe there are certain benefits to why He gave this message. And why we should pray filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Number one, the first reality, or excuse me, the first benefit is to be living in reality. In the best sense, not sarcastic and cynical. Not the the flavor of the month with the world. Well, let me see what bent I can take on whatever it is that we're talking about and make it sound worse or awful. No, I mean living in reality. Admitting that sometimes we want to hide from God. And have serious trust issues with Him. Maybe as we think about how we approached our parents when we did something that we know we shouldn't have. We're a little sheepish about it. And we know that we sinned. And do you understand that your Heavenly Father knows that you you did it even before you did it? And He wants you to come to Him in prayer. Living in reality. That there arises from the cloud of our own sin. A need to come before our Heavenly Father. As there are things between you and God that ought not to be, it's not because of Him, it's because of our sin. And what we just read in Galatians is that the Lord Jesus, out of His grace, poured out His Spirit on us. So as you come to your Heavenly Father, do so living in reality. Lord, I am a sinner. I must repent before You. I have to. It is my duty. It is my privilege to do that. There is no formula for this to happen in your life. Only as you and I are saturated in God's Word and come to Him in prayer can we readily admit the reality of life. I believe sin and this world and the fallen life that we live in is way too powerful for us apart from that. It will crush us. There is not enough in us to be able to be sustained apart from Him. That is the beauty of the Gospel. Secondly, what are the benefits of these prayers? Realigning our hearts. Not trying to bend His will to ours. Only as we are looking at life through the lens of reality can we have our hearts aligned properly. Do you believe that to be true? That you can look at life and see things as they should be and pray as you ought to to your Heavenly Father. Apart from His grace, I don't believe it's possible. And I believe the Bible bears that out. We are not trying to get things from Him. We pray that He would reveal Himself to us. And yes, we do offer up our prayers to Him. Lord, would You provide this for my family? Lord, we have significant financial need at this time. Would You please answer our prayers? Absolutely. Yes, He wants to hear that prayer. But prayer is not primarily a means of getting things that we want. It is a means of communing with our Heavenly Father. Certainly, you and I do pray that He, the living God, would intervene in our lives. And we must come to Him as we pray, believing in faith that He will. There is a hymn that says, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his love and power are such. None can ever ask too much. I read a quote this week that said, 
Perhaps part of the reason that many of us do not see God answering our prayers from time to time is simply because we are too fearful to bring them to Him full of faith as they are before us. Are you honest with your Heavenly Father? Go to Him in prayer, in faith, believing that He will answer it. And if you ask God to intervene in your life and you cry out to Him that He would answer your prayer, Believe that if He does not change whatever the circumstance is in your life, and you know that best, then go back to the truth and reality of life, believing that He will provide grace to be able to go through it. Even if He does not provide the answer that you hoped for, the Bible says and we believe that He will provide exactly what we need in the midst of it. And lastly, what are the benefits of these prayers? The last is getting more of Him. As we said last week, John Piper has a theme or a quote in his book, Desiring God. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The blessing, the approval, the reward that Jesus talks about here, that the Heavenly Father would reward us in the secret place, is this, that He is the ultimate reward of our prayers. Closeness to Him, peace with Him, and an abiding trust in His care. I want to end by reading briefly from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, as it speaks about our prayers. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is a promise that you take with you in your prayers. Open the Bible and read that before you pray. The Bible says that because of Jesus, you may come boldly to find mercy and grace that you need. Just at the right moment, your Heavenly Father is there with you in prayer and He delights to hear the prayers of His people. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for the promise and the hope that we have in You. In Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That prayer is not simply one of the acts that we must do. It is something that You tell us We can do. We can come to the throne of grace. It is a privilege and a delight. And one that we should come to with all reverence and sincerity and humility. But Lord, your word says as we just read that we may come with boldness. Expecting that you will answer our prayers for mercy and for grace. And for help when we need it. And Lord, I pray for your people. Your dear people here today. That as they pray and cry out to you today and throughout this week that You would encourage their hearts in prayer, that You would help them to not be distracted, and that You would help them to come full of faith, believing that something so important that You call them to do, that You also will supply Your Spirit to sustain them in it. Lord, we thank You for the love and the blood of Jesus and for Him paying the penalty for all of our sins, that we may be delivered out of eternity in hell to be given a home in heaven to be with you forever, apart from our sin and this fallen world. In your name, amen. Open your hymnal and let's stand together and sing hymn number 688, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.
seated and let's take an offering to the glory of God. dedicate this offering to you as we look to you with our own personal finances and the finances of our homes Lord we cry out to you that we believe you will provide for us and Lord we do pray that by your spirit you would use these tithes and offerings these objects of our worship to you for the sake of your glory and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spread of the gospel throughout the world Lord we pray that you would use it to call lost sinners to you and souls that may be redeemed from the pit of hell to have a home in heaven with you. In your name, amen. I'm just going to say that we'll give folks a couple moments uh, and then we will call to order promptly uh, at 12. So those who are sitting in the educational building uh, certainly come over if you would like. 
Uh, we will uh, be called to order at 12 for our congregational meeting. Receive the benediction of our Lord. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.